real quick before I jump in here. God, you just please prepare our hearts for what you want to say to us this morning. God, we know that you're a, a God who loves us and who wants to challenge us to be the people that we can be, the people that you've created us to be. We are your children. We are children of God. We're more than just created. We're adopted into your family. Lord God, we just pray that we would recognize that, understand that, and apply that to our lives so that we can impact the lives of everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, which one of my favorite verses in Scripture, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So we are kicking off a new series this morning called Reach. Okay, it's called reach. Now, last week, we actually did a sermon on reach. We went through our five purposes, right? We talked about worship and then connect, grow, serve, and then reach the world. And so reach was the last of our five purposes. And I want to make sure that everyone in this church understands what these purposes mean. So we're going to do an entire series on what it means to reach. Okay, in our church, in our community, in our nation and around the world. What are we doing now? What's our vision for the future? And I'm going to lay out over this series the vision for the future, not just tell you what's happening now, but all the things that we're going to be doing over the next few years. So this morning we're going to kick off the series and our goal is to change maybe the way that we think about the world. Okay, and and our role in it, your role in it. To kind of open your mind and start thinking beyond uh, maybe the, the things right around you. And then how you can be engaged and involved in those things. What is your responsibility? What is your role before God in this world? Impacting the lives of people in this world. Our prayer is that our hearts would be moved, if you will, to walk as Jesus did, did and to stand out. To be set apart for God. The Bible talks about when we come to know Christ, we are set apart for God. That's how we become God's children. God created everyone. But the way you become God's child is that you get adopted into God's family through Christ. And when you're a child, you have, you have rights and privileges, if you will. And that's what I want to talk about some this morning. How do we live a life where we're walking with Christ and truly be set apart? So let me ask your first question here. Uh, do the people around you know what you stand for? Do they know what you stand? Do you know what you stand for? The people around you at work or school or at home, whatever the case may be, do they know what you stand for? Or do you just kind of get carried along with, with what society has to offer, what our culture pretty much lays out? You just get carried along by that. See, the problem is, Fame and popularity and power and, and all these other things, wealth, they're meaningless. Apart from God, they're completely and utterly worthless. Let me read you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 2, verses 3 through 11. It says this, I want to see what, the, what, what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. 
I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water, groves of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well as the delights of the hearts of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of my and all of my wisdom stayed in, in all of this my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my works, and this was the reward for all of my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon, right? God made him the wisest man who ever lived. I always, I'm fascinated by this guy's life. I'm not saying I'm a, big, I'm a big fan. I'm just fascinated by the guy's life, right? He has everything. So he amassed, he says, I, I did all of these things. And then when he's all finished, basically what he says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So I ask you again, what do you stand for? What do you live for? Do other people know why, why you exist, if you will? What is your passion? What is your purpose? See, here's the thing. When, it talks, when we talk about standing up against the, the pressures of the world, I have found in this life, if you will kneel, kneel before God, you can stand before anyone and anything. If you kneel before God, you can stand up to anyone and anything. If He's the only one that you care about, He's the only one that can drive you to your knees, He's the only one you'll bow your head to, then you can stand up or stand for against anything else. And see, the problem is we worry about what everybody else thinks and what the culture thinks and what society thinks. And we have to kind of go along. We kind of get carried along with it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you kneel before God, you can stand up against anything. Now, you might be thinking, what do you mean? I thought you just said everything is worthless, that everything is, is meaningless. No, what I said was, apart from God, everything is worthless. Everything is meaningless. Only what's done for Jesus Christ is going to last. At the end of the time, when you stand before God and he sets on fire basically everything you've ever done, only what's done for Christ will have value. That's what you'll be left with. So you have to ask yourself, what am I standing? What am I standing for? We will be measured and we will be remembered by the lives that we impact. By the investment that we make in people's lives. The way, we, the way we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. We will be remembered for those things. And what does it say? And love your neighbor as yourself. That is what will be remembered. We will be remembered by the lives that we impact. We will be remembered by the lives that we change. By the people that we influence. For example, some of you will be remembered for, for the impact that you had on your family. 
Maybe you broke a, the, 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 uh, the, the abuse that was going, a cycle of abuse that was going on in your family for years, you know, generational kind of abuse, like drug abuse or alcohol abuse or verbal abuse or physical abuse. Maybe you were able, you were, you were the generation, you were the person that stopped that kind of behavior, and now moving forward, your family's going to live a new life. Maybe that's what you're going to be remembered for. Your legacy is going to be the generations to come, and the way you've changed the generations to come because of your taking a stand, kneeling before God, and standing up against whatever other abuses that went on before you. You cut that out. You, you've eliminated that from your family tree, if you will. Some of you will be remembered for the impact that you made on individual lives. You, you, did, you invested in people. You invested in someone. You mentored that person or you discipled that person. You, did, you basically did good in their lives. You gave, you sacrificed for the good of others. My friends, investing only in yourself... I mean, think about this when it comes to your money and your time and your energy and everything. When you invest only in yourself, it's temporal. But when you invest in others, it's eternal. If all you do is ever invest in yourself, that's just, that's just here and now, the, the, the temporary. But when you engage and invest in someone else's life, when you reach out beyond yourself, that is eternal. The lives we touch and the words that we say echo in eternity. God remembers all of those things. That's why Jesus said, he said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When you stand before him, heaven, that's what he's going to say. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When you reached out and you touched other people's lives and you sacrificed and you gave to see someone else's life changed. When you sponsored a child, for example, or you, you just invested your resources, you invested your time, you invested your talents. When you did that, you're going to hear from Christ in each one of those things. Well done, my good and faithful servant, because whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. We need to be willing to sacrifice. Life is not about fame. It's about friendship. It's about, it's about, it's about that friendship. Life is, is not about power. It's about purpose. Life is not about accumulation. It's not about accumulating things. That's not, that's not what God created us for. It's not about accumulation. It's for, it's about contribution. It's about contributing. It's about impacting other people's lives, contributing to the things that matter to God, accumulating things in this, in this life without, with, without making a contribution is worthless, completely and utterly worthless. Take it from someone, Solomon, who did it all, who had it all, who had women, he had, every, he had it all, he had it all. And when I read that, some people are going, maybe here for the first time, whatever, man, why are slaves and all this? That's not right. You're right. It's not right. The Bible doesn't just lay out what's right all the time. It basically says what happened. This is what the person did. And this is how they ended up. But if we're going to, if, if, if we're just about accumulating things or accumulation without contribution, it's basically meaningless. So the question is then, what brings meaning to life? What does that bring, will bring meaning to life? What makes, what makes you great in the eyes of God? That's what I want to know. What is going to make me great in the eyes of God? 
You see, it's not always the most popular. It's always the guy on television or the person on the radio or the person who wrote the most books. It's not always the most popular or well-known person who is greatest in the kingdom of God. The greatest in the kingdom of God are those who live on the lives of the people that they changed. We're all going to die. I don't, this is why I, 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 I'm, I'm, just because I'm getting a little older doesn't mean I just come up with these things now. As a younger Christian, I realize that I don't have a lot of time on this earth. So I can't get caught up in all of these things that don't really matter, that aren't that important. Because the greatest in the kingdom of God, if you read the word of God, are those who live on in the lives that they've changed, people that they've invested in, whether it's your children and your legacy is your children, or people you've discipled, or the people that you've been around that you've influenced just because you've been around and you've lived such a dynamic life for God that people see that, and even if they can't get very close to you, they don't have that intimate connection with you, they still have watched your life, and they want to be like you, and you've, you've changed people, you've changed parents and the way they parent because of the way you've parented. Those are the people that are going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. In Matthew 23, verse 11, it says this. It makes it absolutely clear. The greatest among you will be your servant. You want to know what the Bible thinks? Take what the world thinks and just flip it upside down. If, you're ever, if you don't have your Bible with you and you're wondering, I wonder what Jesus would think about this. Just take what the world is saying, okay, what the wisdom of the world says, and just kind of flip it upside down. In Luke 9, 48 it says this, for he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. That doesn't work in business, right? Right? Doesn't work at, at, at the office sometimes. Doesn't work some, even, it doesn't work in any kind of situation in the world sometimes. Not, not really knocking it. I'm just talking about reality here. But what does it say? It says, it says for he who is the least among you all, he is the greatest. And what that means is though that person who has a heart to serve others, that person who's willing to sacrifice themselves, who's willing to take a step back and say, you know what, I need to sacrifice myself. I need to think of the other person before I think of myself, better than I think of myself. The Bible doesn't say, think of people equally as important as you. It says, consider them better than yourself. So you've got to think of the other person more than you think of yourself. And whoever becomes most like that wins. Okay? People say all the time, whoever dies with the most toy will win. Nah. And from a biblical standpoint, whoever dies most like Jesus Christ, that's who wins. See, if it's truly our desire to, to, become, to become more like Christ, if we want to be set apart for God and impact this world then we need to start living out God's truth in our lives. We need to start living out, really living out God's truth in our lives. If we want to, if we want to become the person that we're describing this morning, and you say, okay, what do you mean? Well, here, here's the thing. If we want to live a new life, we need to leave the old life behind. And some of us have come to Christ years ago, but we still haven't left the old life behind. It still kind of lingers. We're, we're still holding on to it. Some people hold on to it in their behavioral patterns. Others hold on to internal things that have happened to them, and they're still living out those lies instead of living out the truth. If Christ has come into your life, here's the thing. The Bible says that, you know, we are new. We are new creations in Christ when we come to Christ. If you have Christ in your life, that old person is dead. Okay? 
The Bible says that person has died and, and the past no longer. Here's the thing. The past no longer has power over you. Now, you may choose to give it power, okay? But when it comes from a spiritual standpoint, your past no longer has power over you. All that stuff you carry around from the past is worthless garbage. It's trash. And it, it, and it spiritually and emotionally is making you sick. It's like carrying around garbage, dead things inside of you. After a while, they're going to rot and decay and they're going to make you sick. And that's part of what's happening. You're still carrying around dead garbage. You're still carrying around some of the dead old self. And it's making you spiritually and emotionally sick and you can't kind of break free. Because Jen was basically pounding away at that when she was up here singing, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. He split the sea and I can walk so I can walk right through it. Those words are they're, they're, That's reality. That's what we should be living. And instead, we're kind of carrying around an old dead person and garbage inside of our lives. And that's what's making us spiritually ill. In Psalm 103, 22, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So if you're still carrying around things you did way back in the past that you've asked God to forgive you for, then you're carrying around garbage inside of you. Let it go. Let go of those things. As far as the east is from the west, when we repent of those things, God forgives us. God chooses to forget to the point where if God were right, if Jesus were just, like it just, just appeared right here and, and I asked for forgiveness about something yesterday and I said to him, oh, oh God, please forgive me. I just feel so bad about that. He say, what are you talking about? Well, you know the thing. Well, he obviously is God. He can recall it if he chooses to, but he chooses not to. You're walking around saying, oh, you're walking around, oh, I can't believe I did that a year ago. Oh, I can't believe I did that. God has chosen to forget what you have done a year ago. So you're walking around, baggage is unnecessary. Now, Satan wants it to be necessary. You remember that what you did? I don't know. How, is any, how can you serve in the church? You want to reach out? You want to, you, you know, Pastor Jeff gets up there and says, I'm a child of God. You're not a child of God. You may be, but you may be a child of God. You sit quietly in your seat because you know what you did. Well, God knows what you did and he asked forgiveness for it. And he's saying, as far as the east from the west, so far have I separated you from your sin. But we're still living like dead people. We're still living with a big bag of garbage we're carrying around. He's saying, don't do that. See, here's the thing. If you're going to impact the world for Jesus Christ, you've got to do two things. You've got to do two things. Number one, stop living out your past. Really, stop eating out of the garbage. How's that? It's like, I'm saying, it's like, you're, you're just, it's like, open up a trash can. I'm going to eat out of the garbage. Why are you, you're a, I am a child of God. You're a child of God. Imagine the prince in a castle, right? He's the prince. His father is the king. And instead of going to the banquet room and eating the best of all that he has to offer, the kid just goes over and starts picking out of the garbage. I wonder what else in there, a piece of the garbage. Why are you picking through the garbage when you're a child of God? That's who you are. See, I tell you that, and then Satan tells you something different when you leave here on Sunday, reminds you of things in the past, and that's what you kind of hold on to. And so you've got to stop, and that's number one, you've got to stop living, out, stop living out your past. Remember, you are a child of God. When you received Jesus Christ, you were given a new heart and a new mind. Now, there are always consequences for things that we do in our lives. But, you know, here's the deal. When you ask Christ to come into your life, when you, when you bowed your head before him and said, Lord, be, be the Lord of my life, 
His death on the cross, His blood covered you completely. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You're covered by the blood of Christ. You need to under, we, need, we all need to understand the theological truth here. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. And I, again, I'm going to say those things over and over. This is why people are stuck where they're stuck, because I tell you the truth and then you keep believing lies from the pit of hell. That's the problem. I keep telling you, we keep singing about who we are, but then you believe what someone else tells you about who you are. It's not going to work. Here's the thing, too. I said this to someone a while ago and they really said that it was important to them. Let me, everybody just close your eyes for a second, just for a second. Okay. I just told you the truth and I read you, read it from scripture. Okay. So if you then choose to believe something else, you are calling God a liar. I just want you to know that you're, you want to just walk up and say, God, you're a bold faced liar. That's what you're doing. You're calling God a liar. You can't call God a liar. He's telling you who you are and you're calling him a liar. That's not a good idea. The new you is called to be brave. The new you is called to stand out from the crowd. But here's the deal. You, you can't do that if you're living in the past. You can't stand out. You can't be brave and stand out from the crowd if you're living in the past. If you're living, if you're living, that's why I said, you, you know, does the world know what you, does everybody around you know what you stand for and know who you are? Do they know who you are? Or are you just living like everyone else, acting like everyone else, making decisions like everyone else, doing things like everyone else? You were not designed to be like everyone else. Everybody in the world has the opportunity, but you sitting here, if you've given your, given your life to Christ, what I'm telling you is then you, you, are, you are a new creation. You were designed by God not to live like everyone else. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, And therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Listen to these words. Do not let them go on one ear and out the other. Therefore, who, who am I? Who, am, who is Jeff Greer? Well, he's an ambassador. As though God were making his appeal through Jeff Greer. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You represent God to other people. God chose you. God made you. Here's the deal. He made you with unique gifts and abilities far beyond what you understand. Not what you can understand, but what you understand now. He's given you gifts and abilities far beyond. You haven't even tapped your potential yet. Far beyond what you can understand. He's giving you those things, but we just keep believing the lies and that, you know, and here's, here's one. Yeah, I, everything you're saying is true, Jeff. Everything you're saying is true for the guy next to me, for the woman next to me, but not for me. Not for me. I, people, mo, 20 people have told me that in my, in, as a pastor. I believe everything you're saying, but it's, but not for me. No. Again, I don't mean to be harsh, but if you say that, you're calling God a liar. Just got to own it. God, you're Jesus Christ, you're a liar. It's good for everybody else, not good for me. That's not true. That's a lie. That's com- a complete and utter lie. God, 
God wants to use us to impact lives. He wants to use you and he wants you to be brave enough to share the love of his son, Jesus Christ, with those around you. Jen said, we're not, you know, are we are we giving enough? Are we saying enough? Are we doing are we saying enough? Do we have the courage as a child of God to tell the people around us the truth, to share with them the love of Jesus Christ? We live in a lost and hurting world. And do we have the courage, the bravery to share his love with a lost and hurting world? He wants to help you. Honestly, he also wants to help you overcome your hurts and your hang ups and your habits so that you'll be in a place where you have the courage to share those things with a lost and hurting world. He wants you to step out from the crowd, guys. That's where it boils down to. You're enough of hanging around the crowd in the masses. OK, he wants you to break free from 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 the from the mediocrity and the norm, break free from the pack and start living like a person who's a child of God, not living like everybody else. And I'll tell you something, even if the Christians around you are living like everyone else, God is calling you out of that. He's calling all of us out of that. We need to we need to start living like God has created us to live. We need to step out of that crowd. My friends, why do you here's the thing. I don't understand this. Why do you try? And if you're a high school or junior higher or whatever, why do you try so hard to fit in when you were you were so clearly created to stand out? Why, why do you try so hard to fit in with uh, what everybody else is doing when you were designed and you were created to stand out? The second thing you need to do is you stop believing that you're not capable of changing the world. Stop it. Stop believing that you are not capable of changing the world. Galatians 4, 7 says this. So you are no longer a slave. What did Jen say? We are no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. This is where she, this is where that, that, that song comes from. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or you're a daughter. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. An heir. That's what I'm talking about. Your princes and princesses of God. Stop eating out of the garbage. Stop believing lies. Stop acting like somehow you have no power. When you're filled with the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in in order that we may also share in his glory. I don't know how it started. I don't know where it started in your life. But somehow, so many people are not believing that. What I just read, you you, you don't believe it. I don't know why, but you don't you you don't believe that somewhere in your past lies were woven into the fabric of your identity. They were woven in. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not you're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough or 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 you're worthless. You're worthless. You're incapable. You're unworthy. You're unforgivable. That's my favorite one. The enemy throws. You're just unforgivable. Somehow you figured out how to commit the un, un, you know unforgivable sin or something. And you and that's what you're that's what you're believing. Maybe maybe honestly, as sad as it sounds, maybe it came from your parents. Those words, you're on where you are this, you're not good enough. You whatever words they were, maybe it came from your parents. Maybe it came from a spouse. 
We've got to watch our words toward one another. Maybe it came from people in, that, that, that whole idea came from some people in your school. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. I don't know who it was. Some of you don't even know why you feel the way you feel. But honestly, you feel that way. Nonetheless, you, you're still living out those lies instead of living out your purpose. See, that's the whole problem here. That's what I'm talking about. We're talking about reaching out and I'm going to throw things at you in the next six, seven weeks that are going to be like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And in order for us to accomplish what God has put on our hearts to do as a church, every single person is going to have to pick up their sword and charge the mountain. And you can't do that if you're living out your lives instead of your purpose. Every single one of you is dangerous, but you don't live like you're dangerous. I said this before, but you, as a Christian, you have the armor of God. You know, the only place a Christian is vulnerable with the armor of God, where is he vulnerable? Anybody? In your back. So if I'm not turning around cowering, then, I'm, then what, what, I just move forward. I have the armor of God. The only time you're vulnerable is when you turn your back and cower. So don't turn your back and cower. Why would you? Because you're a prince or a princess of God. You belong to God. So maybe you can't remember why you don't feel capable, why you don't feel capable of changing the world. But those lies are there nonetheless. And instead of living out your purpose, you're living out those lies. I can't. I'm not. You live in the darkness of the lie. You live in the darkness of the lie. Now, I need to get your attention. If you fell asleep, wake back up. Okay? You, you poke the person that they're asleep, wake them back up, because this is really, really important. Are you listening? The way that you overcome darkness is you turn on the light. The way you overcome darkness in your life is you turn on the light. Let me read you some scripture. Psalm 18:28 says, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Psalm 119:105, your lamp is a light. Is a lamp, your, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light from my path. Psalm 119, 130, it tells us this. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it reminds us, but you are a chosen, listen to this, this is what you are. This is, this is what the Bible says you are. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who we are. Honestly, that's who we are. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a person. I'm a person who belongs to God and he's called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. And as long as I keep kneeling before God, I can stand before anyone. No fear, right? No fear. No fear. What has God called me to do? I'm going to do those things. No matter what the enemy throws, no matter what roadblocks are in my way, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. See, the way you overcome darkness is to turn on the light. The way you overcome darkness, but here's the thing. Some of us are still living out those lies. We still live out those lies. How do you over, the way you overcome darkness is to turn on the light. And the way you overcome a lie is to follow the truth. Is to follow the truth. Is to follow the truth. Who does God say I am? Doesn't matter what people say, who people say I am. Doesn't matter what the enemy says about me. Who does God say I am? 
See, here's the cool thing. If I turned all the lights off in this room and shaded the windows, it was totally pitch dark and black in here. Couldn't see anything. It was just totally dark. The moment I go over and flip the light switch on, darkness has one option, to leave. There's no, there's no other option for darkness. When light enters the room, darkness has to flee. But you, but you need to be brave enough to turn on that light. That's the thing, guys. You need to be brave enough to turn on that light. Have you ever, just go back as a child, okay? Have you ever, when you were a child, ever been lying in bed, right? And you heard something in your room. And you were too petrified. You were too afraid to get out of bed, right? And go and turn on the light and see if anything's in there. You remember that? Your heart's pounding. You're like almost paralyzed. You heard something moving around and you were so afraid that you were afraid you wouldn't get out of bed and, and, and turn the light on. If you want to know the truth about who you are, you need to have the courage. You need to have the brave bravery to go and flip the switch. If you really want to know who you are as a human being, you need to be brave enough to flip that switch. And if you do that, hear me out for a second. If you do that, you will finally see what God sees. If you would have the courage, okay, to flip that switch and turn that light on, you will finally see what God sees when he sees you. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, it says this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in Psalm 139, it says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know some of you still struggling. You don't know what I've done, and you don't understand, and whatever else. Okay, okay, I'm just going to repeat it again. If you're saying that, if you're hearing the enemy, then that's a lie. And if you're believing it, you're calling God a liar. I just read to you over and over and over what God thinks. You turn that light on and you'll finally see what God has seen all along. And that's the truth. That's the truth. But the lie says, the lie says, I'm too weak. I'm too weak. I've been beat up. I'm too weak. And the truth says, when I am weak, what? Then I am strong. Why? Why, when I am weak, then I am strong? Because it's not you. When you turn that light on, you're not drawing, you're not pulling your own, you're not grabbing yourself by your own bootstraps. You're not reaching deep down to find something. What you're doing is you're calling on the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're calling on the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, and you're saying, hey, fight my battles for me, because I'm too weak. Because when I am weak, it's like, it's a, it's a good position to be in that you're too weak. Because when I am weak, then I am strong, because I'm depending totally on God to do it for me. Let, me. let me tell you why this is so important. Let me tell you why I'm saying all of this as we go into this series. It's important because you are not the only one who needs you to believe that. Listen to what I'm saying. You are not the only one who needs you to believe that. If, if you don't feel brave enough to do it for yourself, then realize that God has created you to impact the lives and change the lives of other people. Stand up for goodness sakes and fight for them. That's what I'm talking about. Even if you can't find the strength in and of yourself to do it for yourself, stand up and fight for those who you've been created to fight for. I told you a story a couple, maybe, uh, maybe a couple months ago about a bear. I, I, we go vacationing in the Adirondack Mountains. A lot of black bears up there. When it's not raining very much, the black bears will come down and try to find food. In a couple summers, we were down there and there, there were black bears everywhere. 
And I had, I remember telling you a story. I was standing at my cousin's house, my Debbie's cousin's house, and it was about 150 yards to the nearest lamppost, way down by the street. And I'm telling you guys, it was pitch dark. Couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You're up in the Adirondack Mountains. Okay? And there was, there was woods on this. It was like a gauntlet you ran down. And I stood there. I'm not kidding. They said, you need a flashlight? I'm like, I don't know flashlight. Let's walk home. You know, needs a flashlight. I'm a real man. I need a flashlight. I get up to the road and I saw pitch dark and I thought, you know, you start hearing bears in the woods or whatever. And, it, and I and I had flip flops on. And I remember I was telling you, I just started run. Mike, I got goosebumps. I was I started tearing through those things. It was like flip flop. It was like bait. You know what I'm saying? Can, bait, the bears can hear the bait running through the street. I was terrified. Fast forward. We're in a little cabin, a little two-bedroom cabin. Our, our bedroom was here, and the girls, Kim and Jen, were here, and they were little. They were really little. A lot of bears in the area at that time, and there was a, a porch on the front of this thing. And we're at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and literally the cabin started to rock. And I knew it was a bear. And it sounded like it was in Kim and, Jen, in Kim and Jen's room. I jumped out of that bed, okay? All I was thinking was, if that bear's in there, I'm going to have a bearskin rug. I'm going to kill that bear. I'm going to cut. I'm going to tear. I have bare hands. I ran in that room. I didn't get goosebumps. I didn't get nervous. I wasn't afraid. There was no fear at all because I thought the bear was in the room with my children. Now, if I'm running with flip-flops, you know what I'm saying? Running for myself is one thing. But when you're fighting for somebody else, if you're, if you're a parent, right, and you think a bear is coming, if you think a bear is coming after you, what are you doing? Going up a tree, right? You think a bear is coming after your child? You're not going up a tree. You're not going up a tree. The bear's life is soon to be over. Or you'll die trying. At least your kids will get away. See, here's here's what I'm talking about. You're a lot braver when you realize you're not fighting just for yourself. You're a lot braver when you realize you have to overcome that addiction because it's not just about yourself. You're a lot braver. You have a lot more courage. You have a lot more strength than you think when you realize that God has designed you to impact the lives of other people. It's not just about yourself. Then you get brave, man. Then you get brave. Bears, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. When someone else's life is in jeopardy, you are going to be more brave than you can possibly imagine. And there are people all around you who desperately desperately need you to be brave who desperately need you to stand up and to stand out and to be the person that God has created you to be you were created to make a difference I was created to make a difference you were born for a reason you know why this world's in such sorry shape let me tell you this is why the world's in such ridiculously sorry shape because you have people who are living out their lives instead of their purpose You have a whole bunch of people. I mean, majority of people. You have people who are living out their lives instead of their purpose. God designed people to invest in each other's lives. But most people walk around living out their lives. It is a, it is a fantastic plan of the enemy. Make everyone just kind of cower and worry and not, oh, what if, what happens if, and I can't do that. I don't have this. I'm not capable. I'm not worthy and I'm unforgivable and all. And so you stay back here while he has a field day on everyone else and all the children that are around us in our own community around the world are just open for the lion to devour when we sit back and go well you know gee I don't know if I can you can that's what I'm saying 
You can. I am a child of God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I have Jesus Christ who lives in me. I have the power of the resurrection flowing through my veins. I have the blood of Christ that flows through my veins. I am an unstoppable force. Why? Not because I'm so great. Because he's so great. And that's the one who fights on my behalf. And that's the one who wants me to accomplish all that he's created me to do. That's the one who does that. That's why the world's in such sorry shape. I'm telling you, we, we, our lies that we have, that we live out, they're paralyzing us. When we live out our lies, they paralyze us. Here's the thing. If each one of us would just truly hunger after God, if we would, if we would believe in him and his power as much as he believes in us, God believes more in you than you believe in him. But if we would believe in him as much as he believes in us, we could change the world. I'm not saying wipe out world hunger, but if the church of the body of Christ got together and truly believe what I just described to you this morning, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Today, God is challenging, listen to me, to move, okay? To move. Jen said it. We're not giving enough. We're not doing enough. We're not speaking enough. Are we? Are we? And if you can say, no, I'm not, then God is saying you need to move. You need to stand up. You need to stand out and become the change that you want to see in the world. Every single one of us want to see change in the world. Let me tell you something. You want to see change in the world? You become that change. You become that change agent in the world. You are God's ambassador as he was, as, as although he was speaking through us and using us because he is. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are those words of love and compassion. We are the ones who will stand up and defend the defenseless. But if we don't speak out and if we don't stand up and if we don't use our hands, then the defenseless are going to be slaughtered. And God didn't create the government to protect them. God created the church to be the first line of defense against those who need to protect themselves. I want to close off, and the way I want to do that, I'm going to ask David Vermock to come up here. David is our new pastor of community life. And we hired David, honestly, this is no coincidence. This series we're doing now, we hired David to invest in your lives. Some of you say, I don't know how, well, how do I do that now? You got me all dressed up and no place to go. Well, you know what? We didn't get you all dressed up with no place to go. We hired someone. I'll do it. Other staff will do it. We hired someone. This is their job, the pastor of community life, to invest in your lives, to impact your lives. And I just wanted him to take a five minutes or so and just give us a quick overview of who you are and kind of your background. All right? Uh, can you all understand me? <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm South African, not Russian. <laughs> so, that was pretty good uh, Russian for a South African. That was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jeff asked me just to come up and sort of share a bit of my life. Um, and I said, just, just speak about how you served um, growing up and so on, and uh, maybe just some of the vision um, going forward. So the reason why I'm going through, like I'm going to go through a little bit of my life and how I served is just to create a little bit of a picture of how, sort of, it doesn't matter what age you are, what position you're in, um, financially, age-wise, whatever the case might be, uh, we can all be serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first memory I have of actually actively serving in the church, I was eight years old, and my sister and I were responsible for looking after the babies in the nurse. 
Um, we call it a crash. It's nursery, but that's the right word. Um, so, you know, every Sunday we would look after the little babies, and a lot happens in an hour with, with babies. I mean, we, we did it all. Um, so that, that was the first memory I have. We were actively, my parents were actively involved in the church, and we would we were expected to help out as well. You know, we weren't just little six, seven, eight-year-olds running around tearing up the place, and that's good. There's a place for that. But our parents went, we're serving, we want to teach you how to serve. Mm-hmm. And we started serving. And I think the principle there is we learned how to serve in the church because our parents were serving in the church. You know, they set the standard. There's a legacy that gets passed on there. Um, at the age of 10, we, we had lost everything. We moved from Johannesburg down to Port Elizabeth. My dad started a, a business. The business went bang. And we went from being very comfortable in life. We had the largest property in our neighborhood. We were comfortable, and we lost everything. We were so poor, we couldn't even afford to pay attention. Like we, were, we were poor. <laughs> and I remember like my parents just really being hopeless and down and out and, and so on. And um, you know, I, I was 10, and the church had always taught me you know, we always have, um, we are never forsaken by God. And I was so compelled to tell my parents that, that that was the first and only sermon I've ever done. I was 10 years old. I sat them down, the three of them, my, my, my father, my mother, my sister, and I prepared this little sermon, have no idea what I said, but I went Charles Spurgeon on the crowd, and I was sitting there and, you know, giving it to them and just knowing as a 10-year-old that we are not forsaken, and I wanted to share that with them. So, always had some sort of a, a, a calling to, to, to be witnessing and speaking to people. Um, yeah, age of 10 till probably about 20, 21, I, uh, you know, I was busy in the church with just helping out with things, but not really, really engaged. At 22, 23, I saw such a need in the church with um, young guys having fathers that were either coming from broken homes or having a father and the father just being completely disconnected with, with the child. So I saw a need there going, you know, the whole Wild at Heart, John Aldrich sort of book. What was funny is I started this Boys to Men camp, and not Boys to Men like the American Boys to Men. This is a South African Boys to Men. It was changing boys into men, teaching them how to do that, taking them into the bush, bush survival skills, how to rough it, and, and so on. And the results from that, like, Parents came back to me and said, like, for months after that, their sons were different kids. But the thing is there, as a 22, 23-year-old, there wasn't a platform where I saw a need, but there wasn't a platform. So I created it. You know, I went out and I did something about it. I surrounded myself with some, some Christian men. There was a successful attorney. He gave me full use to his farm. But I, I saw this this need, and God made it happen. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but... But you can, you can actually go out there and you can start making a difference. 24, 25, started discipling guys. I was involved with teaching the youth. Um, I, uh, I was doing a lot of great things, but I went through periods in my life. There was a year or two I was burning hot for God. And then there was a year or two where I was sort of one foot in the world, one foot in God's camp. And for me, it was really about 25, 26. We were doing a study on John. And I'll never forget get this. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Leon Morris. Excellent commentary on the book of John. And in his commentary, he says, as a Christian, to live with one foot in the world and one foot in God's camp is to experience the worst of both. Mm. And it's so profound because as a Christian, when you're in the world, you, you don't 
you don't really revel in the world like the rest of the world does because you're grieving the spirit, you're conflicted, you, you have fun in that moment, but you're so conflicted and so, um, you know, just, you, you, you can, you, you're grieving the spirit. And then as a, as a worldly Christian, you never really get to experience the true joy and peace of God and really living in that because you're conflicting the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're grieving the spirit and you're conflicted. So there was really a, a turning point in my life there in that sense. And why I mention that is when I decided to, to really make a, a lifelong commitment and go, I'm not happy with how I've been living. Um, and and this is, there were certain parts. I think for the most part I was more consistent. Um, in terms of church, but still very much one foot in the world, one, one foot in God's camp at certain periods in my life. But I will tell you that when you have both feet in God's camp, your desire to serve starts becoming, you have that desire. Um, and, and the desire is not just menial things like, and I say this carefully, I mean, it's great packing up chairs and doing those things, but the desire is, I want to go out there and make disciples of men. I want to start doing the things that are more spiritual and, and really act, you know, actually doing something for the eternal kingdom, you know, leaving my mark. So, um, you know, Jeff spoke about, the, about owning it, you know, and the lies. What's crazy is I'd prepared this, this thing that I wrote out last night. And it came to about nine, ten minutes, and he gave me five minutes. He's like, just chat about it for five minutes. My wife and I sat down, and we went through, and it was like closer to ten minutes. So we started editing things and taking it out, and I almost wish I didn't, because it is crazy how what I had wrote down is so much in line with what you said, Jeff, in terms of the lies, believing in the lies. Um, and so my wife was like, you're starting to preach. Let Jeff preach. You just talk about your life. <laughs> so I was like, okay, babe. You know, she, she has wisdom. So... Uh, the last six years, I've been discipling guys, uh, leading the, the youth at my church. Uh, most recently, I've been discipling one guy here actively for the last year, and I'm mentoring two other guys. Um, one comes from a home that there's heroin addiction, hasn't had much of um, uh, an image or an example of what, it, what grown-ups are like. You know? and so I've been feeding into this guy's life. Another guy, he's a Christian, but he's been involved with drugs and so on. He just can't shake it off. So I'm feeding into his life. And um, I'll tell you what, the blessings that you receive working with people and actively pursuing God and people, trying to draw them to God. You know, he, him who leads his brother from, from going astray covers over a multitude of sins for that person, not for you, for that person. And um, yeah, in closing, a thought I often have is... If God's given me these gifts and these abilities, all right, and is, is there no better way for me to show my love for him than to actually use those things? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything sad or worse. Going to heaven one day, knowing that I have, and I have to answer for these gifts and these skills and these abilities God's given me, and go, Lord, I didn't use them. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've come to you empty and void of, of all those things that you've given me. Given me, I didn't do anything for me, for you, but you did everything for me. I couldn't think of anything worse. So I would love to call you guys to to action. Um, you know, we're going to be. There's already a lot of great things that are happening in the church. We want to. I'd like to find out from a lot of you what are certain ministries you'd like to see. And it's not to say we're going to start all these different things, but let's see where we can be most purposeful, most strategic, and most aligned with what God's word says. 
and we try and get those things going. So come and, come and chat to me, and we'll probably create a platform and, and start working towards those things. Thank Amen. you. Yeah. Great job. No, good to have you on board. Let's, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this time we can spend together. And God, pray that you just would just motivate our hearts, Lord, to be all that we can be for you. And help us to seek out guys like David, Lord, who can invest in our lives and help us to become all that you've created us to be. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time we can spend together in Jesus' precious, awesome, and powerful name. Amen. Have a great, great week.